Okay, I'm recording this in my basement at 4 a.m. while walking on a treadmill. What could possibly go wrong with this? This might be the worst Xfinity Fantasy NASCAR podcast that you have ever seen. And if you say I'm out now, I won't blame you. Right, for those sticking around, we're looking at Michigan. We're looking at the salaries for Michigan. We have not had practice yet. We have not had qualifying yet. But we can always try to do a little bit of early week research and try to predict thing that is most important of all, and that's who will lead laps, who will accrue fast laps, and who might possibly win. Now, if you're asking yourself, without practice data, we could look at previous races, but what specific data from previous races is going to be the leading indicator? What is the most predictive of leading laps in upcoming races like Michigan? So, what I have done is I've taken out the tracks that I think Link closest based on what we have in current form. They're not ideal, but obviously I'm not pulling from Road America. I'm not pulling from the Indy GP. I'm taking your classic traditional oval tracks from recent history. If you disagree, again, if you go to patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS or you go to raceforthprize.com and you decide to sign up, You can make a copy of this spreadsheet, and you can say, guess what, folks? I don't like using Darlington. It's such a unique racetrack. I believe that's noise. It's static. It's whatever. It's going to skew the data. I want to remove it. You can click File, Make Copy in your Google Sheet and adjust the formula. Not that difficult to do. But otherwise, you can just use what I got. And what I'm doing is I'm taking these data points, but more specifically, I'm taking these data points and I'm looking at how many laps did they run inside the top five in each race. Because before, before you can lead a race, if we just go through step by step, you got to be in the top half of the field. But obviously, just having a car that's in the top half of the field is not good enough. you got to be in the top quartile. But even then, being a top ten driver, we've seen guys like Riley Herbst, Justin Haley. They're top ten drivers. But you never consider them to be a hog or dominator, if you will, a driver that's going to accumulate the meaningless fast lap points and lap sled points throughout a race. Just being in the top 10, having a top 10 car, being a top 10 driver, that's not good enough either. So we take it a step further. We make our standards a little tighter. We raise the bar. And what I'm looking at are percentage of top five laps in these specific races because if you can run in the top five now, if you want to go really stringent, you want to go really strict, you can simply just say, hey, did you lead laps and run fast laps in those races? And that's fine, and that's great, and that's a good point. And you'll see that it's just Nogar, 35 all points at Dover, 32 at Darlington, 15 at Texas, 35 at Charlotte. So he did a really good job. Probably going to be your favorite. If you want to stop watching now, but... Wait a second, there's a good chance that Justin Allgaier is not going to lead every lap in this race. He's not going to run every fast lap in this race. There's going to be two or three hogs in this race. Who are the other two or three going to be? Who are the other drivers that we might want to put on our list? And you could just look at hog points, but after that, then you're going to run into problems because in these Xfinity races, we get bushwhackers. We get drivers dropping down that are skimming these points every week. So it's not like, I don't know, circa 2018 where we had three solid Xfinity drivers always on the top 
every single week, and you had tons of strong data that would lead you in that direction. You got guys coming and going, looking consistent as all that. After that, you try to look at the data, and you're not going to see a lot of information. You're going to see, yeah, Gibbs pops off once, but it doesn't pop off all the time. Sometimes AJ Allmendinger is going to pop off because he's a good starting position. And we just don't have data from them because our standards are too tight. They're too stringent. The bar is too high when we're only looking at fast laps and laps led points. So because of the guys dropping down, because of the inconsistency of these slightly inferior cars compared to previous Xfinity stars, past to past Xfinity driver talent, they don't pop off every week in this statistical category. So we've got to open the door a little bit. Lower the bar a little bit so that we can explore more drivers. And if we can't just look at how many laps did you lead, if we can't just look at how many fast laps did you run, top three laps, let's go to top five laps. How many laps inside the top five? If you can run in the top five consistently, then you have a very good shot at leading laps at Michigan. So if we look at these races and we try to see, all right, how now this first column is overall full season. If you want to lean on that, it's a bigger sample size. But again, that's going to draw from plate races, three of them. It's going to draw from multiple road courses. Sure, it tells you the team is good at setting up a car. It also tells you that the driver is a quality driver. But just because you ran well at GP or Road America or Atlanta, I don't know if I want to weigh that. Maybe I just want to look at my specific races that I'm looking at here. And these oval, classic, NASCAR, cookie cutter, if you will, racetracks. It's sorted that way. Ty Gibbs is the most expensive driver. He has not averaged the most. Now, obviously, this Texas race is going to weigh down this average. That's the problem with averages. In a way, Charlotte, not so great. Nashville, New Hampshire, maybe you don't like New Hampshire. Maybe you don't like Pocono. Either way, end of the day, he is the third best driver on this specific criteria of getting the top five. He's definitely going to be at the top of your list heading into practice. If you had to ask, who do you think is going to lead laps, just with a cursory knowledge of the Xfinity series, you're going to like Ty Gibbs. And the recent data that I am pulling supports it. If you look at the full season, it supports it. You can also look at driver rating or real rating, and you're going to see that his real rating is exceptional as well. All of these numbers put together are going to tell you one thing, and that is that, hey, he might not always finish up front, although he does, and the numbers pretty much indicate that as well. But they tell you that he spends more time up front than anyone else. The fourth most. And being up front leads to fast laps. Being up front leads to laps led. It doesn't always mean they're going to win, but wins are overrated. Say it with me, Daily Fantasy, NASCAR community. Wins are overrated. We want fast laps. We want laps led. They come up front. He's up front. He's on our board. Next in price, for whatever reason, just Nogar is not the next in price. Just Nogar was not the highest price. We got Noah Gregson. Gregson has been, started the season out really strong. Should have won Las Vegas. Won some plate races. Kind of went through a lull. Maybe took a slight step back. Not even a big step back in the middle of the season. It was more so that his teammates just took a bigger step forward. 
And then we saw him lunge back ahead at Pocono, kind of went through the trials and the tribulations of Road America, came out of that, really got his head back on straight. And he's looked good ever since. But we haven't had like a bunch of ovals ever since. Pocono was just a couple weeks ago. It's still early going. But we do know that in the early goings of the season, he and his new crew chief, not Dave Ellens. Dave Ellens left. His new crew chief is Luke Lambert from Ryan Newman fame. Maybe they got it back rolling again. Very strong race car, although they were much lower here in terms of top five laps at Pocono, but it had a strong rating of 97. Gives it better. Not really much of a surprise there. Um, if I had to pick going into more of a traditional oval, I would lean Gibbs over Gregson, but that's what we have practice. We have a really good idea. More often than not, you're going to see that in practice, Gibbs lays down some pretty fast laps. Now, Gregson and his team are adaptive. We've seen them get better throughout races. We've also seen Gibbs struggle throughout races and often not perform as well. Much better in practice than race. And Gregson can often be better in a race than in practice. So practice probably isn't going to be the end-all, be-all. Gibbs will likely be higher owned depending on their starting positions. If Gregson qualifies worse than Gibbs, which sometimes happens, then that's going to bump up Gregson's ownership. And so that will even things out. People tend to chase place differential. And I don't blame them if you can get some extra place differential and some haul points. But I think it's often a fool's errand to try to uh, get full place differential points and haul points at the same time. I'm getting a little winded here, as I said before, in the basement, on the treadmill, at 4 a.m., recording a Fantasy NASCAR podcast. If you like these videos, please hit like. Please subscribe. Go to racefortheprize.com, click on the link, go to the Patreon. That's patreon.com slash DFS. And even if you're not all into spreadsheets, you can at least say thank you by signing up and being a Patreon for a month or forever. Just know, guys, you got the numbers don't lie. You got to play, and there it is, the races that matter. To me, he's number one on the board, and it's really not even close. Uh, it, it's such a difference here. There's such a disparity in these percentages of laps in the top five. And we even I already pulled up the hog points to show you the fast laps that he accumulated and just the direction. If you're watching with your eyes, as I always say, trust the spreadsheet, but also trust your eyes. You really need to watch these races. And if you've got your finger on the pulse, you know, the temperature of the room, that is that Justin Algar is the guy everyone is looking up to him. Talent-wise, also when we're talking about setting up these cars, I really believe that one of the skills that Algar has, now he may not have had this skill over previous drivers and previous series, but it is clear in 2022 that no one is better at using practice time than Justin Algar. Uh, this more than likely, we talk about this with Kyle Busch, how not having practice hurt him in 2020 and 2021. He was very useful, methodical. He could really utilize his practice time to make his car better, and he struggled during those seasons. Other guys, they don't need it. Like Denny Hamlin was a perfect example of a guy like, I don't need practice. There are plenty of drivers that don't need it, and they can communicate the right setup and get on the same page with the crew chief and go in pretty cold. Kyle Busch is not one of those guys. It appears that Justin Allgaier is a Kyle Busch type guy where he can use it. Now, Justin Allgaier didn't completely fall apart, but again, 
Justin Allgaier always had much better equipment than the rest of the field in the Xfinity Series. Justin Allgaier always uh, has more talent, has more experience. Well, this, you know, whether he's being held back or not in 2020, 2021, which I would argue really just didn't help, but now it's a huge advantage for him. And it's not that Ty Gibbs and Noah Gregson don't know what to do in practice. It's just that Allgaier is better at it. This is a tool that was in his toolbox. This was an advantage that he had that he wasn't allowed to use. He's been allowed to unleash this. And so he and Luke Lambert, I believe, use practice in a very strong way. Not Luke Lambert, uh, Jason Burdett, right? And that's what's making them so much faster. At a lot of these tracks that they're very familiar with, Dover, Darlington, Texas, Charlotte, Nashville, well, maybe not as much Nashville, but you still see the numbers are there. New Hampshire, we, weird oddball. I mean, they've been working together forever. They've been at these tracks forever. Some of these teams are not used to, like, well, what are we doing practice? How do we work in practice? What are we really looking for? He knows what to do. They know what to do. It's clear. It's obvious. And it's in the data. And then on top of all of that, that advantage that he has over the Xfinity regulars, that advantage that he has in equipment, and you can see that every week through practice, they're also making the cars better. Junior motorsports is getting better. I have to believe that this, even though they're small practice sessions, it's working what they are doing. I don't know what else it is other than junior motorsports just hired some Nazi scientist through Project Paperclip that came in and redesigned all of their engines. Probably not the case. Maybe that's how we probably maybe got to the moon. But that's not why junior motorsports is fast. They didn't just spend billions of dollars on the car. No, Rick Kendrick probably has infused some money. That has definitely helped with junior motorsports. Although I don't know if that's really the case either because it looks like Hendrick's put dipping his feet into the water of getting into Xfinity. And if he's going to get more into Xfinity, I get working with Hendrick or with Junior to help grow that. But at the same time, Junior is dipping his toes into thinking about competing with Hendrick at the cup level. So, yeah, I think Hendrick's helping out, but I don't know. I mean, that just doesn't explain it to me why the junior motorsports cars or Chevys are so much faster. If I just had to find the simplest solution, it's just practice. Having that practice time has played in the favor of Justin Auger. Josh Berry, another junior motorsports car. He's number two on our list. He runs well. Big surprise at these traditional classic ovals, late model legend, iRacing legend, very talented, very experienced, a veteran, although this is really his rookie season in the Xfinity Series, he's anything but a rookie. I mean, very rarely do we get such an experienced, well-respected driver that comes in for a full first year and a full-funded car, fully mature, respectful, working with the team, Completely grateful. I mean, this is like the opposite of Noah Graxon buying a ride. This is the opposite of Riley Herbst buying a ride, or Christian Eckes buying a ride, or Ty Gibbs inheriting a ride. This is a guy that grinded, that never got his chance. And when he does, 100% committed, 100% respectful, and you can see it in the results. And if you have that kind of professional approach, of course, you're going to find these results. Now, he's got some bad races, but they've been wrecks, really, and just mistakes. And that's going to happen in the Xfinity Series with a bunch of brats, which is a bunch of aggressive brats, a bunch of moody kids. 
And honestly, to escape a lot of these, like Allgaier does, he's very fortunate. And, I mean, you look at like, New Hampshire, Allgaier caused the first wreck. He wrecked that the, the lady, the, uh, the, the, the motivational speaker, the pinty series driver, the uh, former guest on Survivor. Allgaier caused the first wreck. It was 100% his fault because he was being too aggressive because he was getting passed. Because he was losing the lead, and he wrecks a lapper. And then everybody else wrecks, and he ends up winning. But that just goes to show that the Xfinity Series is a madhouse. It is wild. And so, hey, yeah, Josh Berry came up short a couple times. But when things didn't break against him, I mean, he's the guy that in stage three just blew past Justin Elgar at Dover. He's got the speed. He's on your shortlist as well. A.J. Allmendinger is tricky. This is where the whole top five thing kind of falls apart a little bit. But that's okay, because just because you're top five, that means you're top five. Right? We're saying, oh, I ran laps in top five. Yeah, well, you were fifth. Yeah, well, you were fourth, and you weren't even sniffing third. You were a podium guy, but the leader had a two-second run on you. And that's where A.J. Allmendinger stands. But he clearly is a top five car. He had a top five car plenty of times last season. He is a top five car every single week. And these are at the specific tracks. This is not just road courses. This is not just plate races where we've seen Colin be strong in the past. Here he is, turning the last that you need to see. But he's not getting the fast laps. He's not getting the hall points. Now, he will if you give him clean air. I mean, just off the top of your head, when's the last time you saw – A.J. Allmendinger cruising through the top five. Oh, here comes A.J. He's now up to second. Hey, he's going to take the lead. When did you see that? That's not a hypothetical. It's not a rhetorical question. In your mind, do you remember a race? Not at a road course or a plate race. Like, oh, well, here comes A.J. Uh, he's now in second place, and he's running on the leader. Okay, here's A.J. He's got the leader in his sights, and he's going to take the lead. I'm sure it happens somewhere at some point, but the fact that I can't name you off the top of my head a specific race where that specifically happened, and I can't tell you, I know it has not happened in recent form. Maybe it has, but I can't think of any. And I can just look at the data real quick and say, all right, at Nashville, he did run 16. But if we go back, I'm pretty sure at Nashville, he started on the pole. And that's what AJ needs. If AJ's on the pole at Michigan, I believe he was on. The, he wasn't on the pole last year. Now another quick aside. And I was writing about some notes. We look at data from last year's Michigan race. We'll talk about that in a second. So he has 16 when he's on the pole. When he's in clean air, you know the story. When AJ Allmendinger gets in dirty, his car is terrible. Chris Rice jumps on the radio. Oh AJ, don't freak out on me. Well, I did this in the last podcast. I'm not going to do it again. But you know the deal. They're talking him off the ledge. Something's always going wrong for AJ in the car. It's too damn hot in here. I'm sweating too much. AJ, you're a race car driver. And it's really not that hot, man. I don't gotta die. I need some water. It's I can't make it, man. AJ, dude, there's two laps left. You're gonna make it. You're not gonna die in the car. All right, Ricky Bobby. Okay. Next thing you know, AJ's ripping off his clothes, running around on the racetrack. Okay, if we look at that Michigan race from last year, he wasn't on the pole technically. But two quick things to know about that is that he leads a bunch of laps from second place. Oh, but he wasn't on the pole. Well, for whatever reason, at the beginning of this race, Austin said, well, no, it's not for whatever reason. Austin said he was too busy talking on the radio at the beginning to pick what lane he wanted. 
I'll repeat this again. At the beginning of last year's Michigan race, Austin Cindric had the pull. Now, Austin Cindric didn't have the pull because he was the fastest car. Austin Cindric didn't have the pull because he won a qualifying. Remember, in 2021, they didn't have qualifying. We set the pull every week by just who had points. So, either way, Austin Cindric, whether he deserved it or not, whether he had the fastest car on that day or not, he should have lined up on the outside, but he was too busy talking on the radio. And he let AJ, and he didn't move up, and so AJ took the top. The top is clearly the dominant line at Michigan. The bottom is quicksand. AJ takes the lead. AJ sails out front. AJ on the pole. AJ up front will get you some haul points. And you go back to the data point of top five. He's not going to drop too far. There were previous seasons where a guy like AJ or even AJ specifically, like, all right, he's going to lead some laps, but then he's going to lose negative place differential, and that's going to erase a lot of those. Well, He's going to get you some laps in that first stage. And we don't have to worry about a competition caution anymore. So he can lead all of stage one if he unloads really fast. And even if he drops back, he's going to hang in the top five. So uh, worst case scenario, you lose four place differential points, but you gain 15 haul points. Uh, It can work. All right. So then once I get into these guys, it's a little bit more precarious. You're going to really want to see. I guess the first question is, all right, can they be up there? All right, if they can be up there, then they're going to be in a possibility. Then from there, uh, I want to see fast practice times. More importantly, I probably need them on the front row. If Austin Hill is on the front row of Michigan, I will consider him as a low-owned play because no one's going there for a $9,800 Austin Hill. I believe in Austin Hill. I'm probably the biggest Austin Hill apologist slash truther out there. Most underrated driver in NASCAR, period, end of story. I don't want to hear anything of what you say. Shut your mouth. There's no one more underrated than Austin Hill. $9,800. I love you, Austin Hill. That is asking a lot. It is an RCR. Okay, so the air conditioning is kicking on, so it's probably way too loud at this point. So I will make it real quick. John Hunter Nemechek, I can definitely consider. Sam Mayer, I need front row. Brandon Jones, I like if he's front row. Uh, No Hemrick for me. No Hurts for me. Creed is someone I'm going to get early on. He's probably going to burn me a couple times. But the numbers are looking good for Creed. If Austin Hill's fast, then Creed is fast. We know the story with Creed. He probably snuck up on some people in the truck series before he had those dominant years. Creed could very much do the same in the Xfinity series. The car's going to be fast. He has talent. He just needs things to go his way, and he probably needs to start on the front row. All right, that's it for all my laugh leaders. Thanks for joining me for this episode of A Basement Recording on the Treadmill at 4.53 a.m. for an Xfinity Series Fantasy NASCAR podcast for Michigan looking at top five laps. If you appreciate this video, like, subscribe, share. Also, go to raceforthepride.com where you find all the information. You'll find a link that will help you get to patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS where you can show your appreciation monetarily.